You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm Eric Name, Milwaukee Bucks reporter at ESPN Milwaukee. Also, Milwaukee Bucks reporter at ESPN Muskego. Shout out to the ESPN affiliate there in Muskego. Always enjoy my time there. Always have a, have a great time in the ESPN Muskego offices every week uh, when I make brand, my... Brand new offices. Really, really nice there, yeah. <laughs> They've been great. Uh, but yes, I am the Milwaukee Bucks reporter at ESPN Wisconsin. Joining me as always is my good friend and the founder of Brew Hoop, Frank Madden. Frank, how are you? I'm running on fumes, Eric. Not going to lie. I mean, I guess you could say a podcast at this time of year for a team not <laughs> long, long since eliminated fumes, is running right? on fumes. But um, I, I'm, I'm well, figuratively running on fumes in the sense that I, I went to bed at about midnight and got up a little after 4 a.m. for a trip. So I'm Getting uh, up. It's it's close to eleven, and um, you know, let's just say when you gave us gave me the list of uh, topics for tonight, I made no effort to think of additional things to talk to about. So, if ever if ever uh, we were going to deliver on your dad's dream of a short podcast, um, tonight might be it. But again, that that uh, I, I mean, it's a rite of passage that I say something to the effect at least once a week that we're going to have a short podcast, and we never do so. Um, I'm just going to stop talking and let you introduce the topic, and we'll see if we can actually do it. Yeah, maybe maybe now will be the time. Uh, obviously, last night, uh, thank you for any of the compliments you gave us on reacting to the insane Sixers story uh, in real time. Uh, listening back to it today, I thought we had a fun time with it. Um, and as I told Frank before, as we were talking about a couple of the theories, he's like, and what was, what were the details on that? And, and what, what was the reason behind believing that theory? And I was just like, I, you know, I just read like a, th- like a Twitter thread and I don't really care. I'm just here for the jokes. And yes, I'm, I'm very much here for the jokes. And I, I believe the latest update is, uh, the belief that it was uh, Brian Colangelo's wife, possibly, uh, that had uh, that was running some of the burner accounts. Um, and if you find your way over to Sixers Twitter, they will happily take you through any and all of their theories. Uh, but it is it is kind of funny, just uh, uh, obviously to think of all these theories and to see all the tweets and do all of that. But then on top of that, they they're whether it's him or his wife or whatever like we said at the end of last night's podcast like i just think it's impossible at this point yeah how on earth could he come back as the team's general manager like that there it is a position that requires so much trust and so many strong relationships with so many people in the organization and i just don't know how at this point those could exist. Whether it's real or not real, I don't know how he could have good relationships with anyone. Yeah, I mean, I think the odds of like a full-blown conspiracy by anonymous forces against him, I mean, just 
seems seems very unlikely just given the the mountain of sort of corroborating kind of circumstantial evidence that all kind of syncs up to suggest that someone either him or, or someone in his that in his very close inner circle like his wife would would be behind this um and it's crazy regardless of what the answer is i mean there's literally no answer to this that is not crazy like if it's you know a embittered sixer employee or sixer fan who literally you know uncovered all these details and set up this ornate plan um I mean, all of these would be insane. I think, though, uh, I just think there's too much to suggest that this is just some random person that's done this. And Occam's uh, razor, right? Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, again, I think the, and I think to your point, I think Zach Lowe and and Kevin Arnovitz discussed it on today's Low Post as well. I mean, um, you know, Zach said somebody's getting fired. You know, <laughs> like you know, somebody with the Sixers is getting fired, right? I mean, if it's a leaker or a person behind this or whatever. But I think increasingly, I mean, um, you know, I think, uh, and I forget if it was Kevin or Zach that made the point, but you know, even if this is his wife or something, I mean, she's not making, I mean, she's not formulating these opinions of these negative opinions of all these people on her own. Right. I mean, this is presumably because Brian Colangelo is bitching and moaning about it at home or possibly even, I don't know, like, encouraging her to act this way or do this or take shots at people. I mean, yeah. either way, to your point, I mean, people are going to look at him and be like, you're not, you can't, I can't trust you. You know, you're a liar. Yeah. I mean, like whatever he's said to try to win people over the last few years, Mike Fultz, Mark Fultz, Embiid, um, you know, whether it's his wife, someone else in his family or, or actually him, um, Clearly, like I mean, why would why would you trust this dude? And again, in a yeah. business in a business that's predicated on trust between rival GMs, between you know people in the front office, between players and coaches, coaches and owner, and ownership, you know, and discretion, office, all that stuff. Like, yeah, and discretion. discretion among the, that to me is one of the most important things as a GM, right? Yeah. Like you can't have anyone in your front office just. Blabbering and somehow getting these things onto the internet like that uh, to me feels like a huge red flag. Yeah, so I mean, I, I think the most interesting question will be how much does he dig in his heels? You know, do they use the spouse or family member as a, as the fall person um, in order for him to at least try to save face? But as you said, I mean, even that explanation makes it awfully difficult to come back and expect him to have credibility as a, as a leader, especially as a guy who, you know, was, was not particularly wanted in the first place by a large section of the fan base. And, um, you know, came in through pretty strange through a pretty strange situation. Um, it's, uh, it's, it's just bizarre. And, you know, Zach also pointed out that, you know, people, there are other people, a lot of people are going to be affected by this, right? I mean, there's people that were hired by, Brian Colangelo and the people that work for him um, that when moved to Philadelphia and took these jobs and if Brian Colangelo is out, who knows what that means for who takes over for him and, and what that means kind of as, you know, the follow on. I, I mean, I've seen the jokes that, you know, this is bad for, for the Bucks and the rest of the East because it means, you know, one less idiot may be running a team. Um, but uh, I don't know. I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's just a fascinating soap opera and, um, yeah, it's nice that 
we can talk and kind of laugh about it because it's not the team that, that we have to cover and talk about all the time. One thing I was, so on that topic, uh, Ed Stefanski has been a part of the Pistons search for a head coach. And today it came out that they are going to interview Kenny Smith, uh, Kenny the Jet Smith, Kenny Smith of TNT, of Inside the NBA, that they're going to interview him as one of their possible head coaches. And I got to say, um, as as another spot where, as I was watching it, I was like, man, I'm, this is one of the, it's a moment where you're just like, well, it's good that the Bucks didn't do something like that in the, when they interviewed. Like, I, I, I might have been you know a little bit cool on the idea of bringing in Budenholzer because it wasn't a big home run swing or uh it wasn't you know trying to get a top five coach just trying to get a very good coach like I think if that would have been one of the names of the eight guys interviewed in Milwaukee I think it would have been a a full-scale blow-up just a total freak out from everyone right yeah, I mean that's like a that's like a Sacramento Kings move, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and again, like, wait, who is 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 Ed Stefanski running the processors, or was he someplace? So that, okay. no, Ed Stefanski is the Pistons senior advisor on the franchise's yeah, head okay. coaching search, and then he's brought in Bernie Bickerstaff and Jim Lynham, uh to help consult Jeez. to to get it all going. So, uh, wow. a murderer's like row. A, <laughs> like, of like rando 1996 dudes, basically. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Um, so yeah, just again, another moment where it's just like, okay, um, maybe I am not as happy as others with Boonholzer, but <sighs> didn't see a name like that on the list of candidates. Uh, so just, uh, weird and this is just a weird spot as a Bucks fan especially after last summer there's not just or I guess there is the ability to look at other people and be like man glad it's not the franchise that I cover like what a strange thing to say then for many years that isn't that hasn't been the case so um other thing we wanted to talk about today is NBA draft stuff uh today was the deadline to figure out if you were declaring for the draft or not um, and some guys that I think are maybe in the Bucks range decided uh, that they will be staying in the draft. In uh, one guy that the Bucks were talking about, or that we had already mentioned on the podcast, is not going to be in the draft. So um, let's go with Jonte Porter. Uh, he has decided to remove himself from the draft and return to Missouri. Uh, that was a guy that we had talked about as uh, I think generally interesting at seventeen. Yep. I know there's some concerns about his defense, but he's someone that is now no longer going to stay in the draft. So um, an interesting one there. And you were uh, you were I think maybe more of a Porter guy than I was, but. Uh, what did you find interesting about him? Well, super young and, and again, a, a big guy with skill. And, and you know, it, it's tough because, you know, we talked about it. You watch watch these playoffs. I mean, big A, any big guy, <laughs> yeah, you, you worry play? about his, his playability. But um, B, guys who you worry about, you know, well, do they have like A-plus physical tools? Um, you know, it's a, lo- it's a big difference between – you know, Clint Capella to your average, you know, NBA big man in terms of switchability and, and defensive, you know, uh, 
value and, and yeah. you know, just how they would fit in general. And John T. Porter is obviously, a, you know, he's not like a Capella type guy. Um, but again, he's also 18 years old. Um, you know, again, I think again, he's tough. I, it kind of because it, it's definitely a zig and zag type thing where you worry like, you know, can he ever be like, you know, the go to center on a uh, on a team that's contending. But he's also really skilled. And again, if he physically matures a bit, um, gets a bit stronger, maybe gets a little more athletic, um, which is possible given his age, then, you know, you're looking at a guy who could potentially be extremely dynamic for uh, his position. And especially if he's a mid first round pick, you know, maybe that's where you do roll the dice on a guy that um, that could be sort of that needle in the haystack, uh, really dynamic offensive big guy who who maybe does come come far enough offense or defensively to to be a great player. Um, and again, like the bar at 17 is not, you know, go find an all star. The bar is find a good rotation player, hopefully. And again, like you can you can still be that, especially in the regular season. But again, you know, it's all about options and he's an interesting player. He projected really well in a lot of the projection models just because of his young age and um, a lot of his peripheral stats and his, his, you know, skill level is really high. So, um, you know, whatever, always like to see more guys in the draft, but again, um, you know, drafting another big guy who um, isn't going to, you know, bring, bring forth the dream of a, a better bucks defense. Also, maybe not, you know, the kind of thing that you would shed too many tears over. Uh, another guy, Kevin Herter, the guard out of Maryland, six, seven, kind of a wing guard, or wing, like two guard kind of mix. Um, he will be staying in the draft. Uh, some reports tonight that uh, he will main that he has been given a promise by someone uh, that he'll be drafted in the first round. Um, but again, all those things can be hearsay. Uh, he's currently projected as the 20th ranked MA prospect by Jonathan Gavoni. Um, and in the most recent mock, he's at 19. So he would be someone that would be available to the Milwaukee Bucks um, and someone that uh, I know people always ask what we're going to do with the draft, and uh, we talked a little bit with Cole Zwicker today over at the Stepien, and we're going to have him on at some point, um, and hopefully we'll be able to do some more stuff with that. And I'm thinking now Thursdays I might use to start going through some draft stuff as we have about a month leading up to the draft. Uh, so you can look forward to that, um, but those times when I go solo or look for guests, we'll be probably talking draft on, uh, I guess that would be your Friday podcast when I record on Thursday nights. Um, but looking at that, uh, he was someone that I had mentioned being generally interesting to me today. Uh, I think there's a couple guys that kind of stand out. Lonnie Walker, unfortunately, I think he's rising as we speak. Uh, he's just been putting on a show in all of these workouts. He's very athletic, which, I mean, it helps in, you know, workouts against chairs uh, that, that can make you look even better. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised maybe if he gets close to the top 10. Uh, Troy Brown from Oregon is another guy that I've been looking at. Uh, but those three are, you know, three that I think I'm kind of thinking about because as I talked about, I think one of the days that you weren't on the podcast, that I just think you need to do everything guys. And maybe none of the herders, probably the best shooter out of all of them. Uh, but I think you need to be able to put it on the deck a little bit. I think you need to be able to shoot a little bit. I think you need to play a little bit of defense. You need to be able to do some switching. Like you have to be able to do all those things. And those three guys are kind of ones that I see in that 10 to 17 range where it's like, okay, I, I think you could 
have those guys play in NBA playoff games. And that's right. I mean, to me, it's, that's a tough thing to try to, uh, quantify and qualify where you say, Oh, that guy could play in the NBA playoffs. Cause you don't really know because they haven't played in the NBA yet. But I think to me, that's always kind of what I'm going to focus on. And at this point in the NBA, I think that's wings, right? Like, I think you feel the most confident that wings will be able to play. Yeah, Lonnie Walker, a guy who who passes the eye test, I would say. Um, you know, a guy with athleticism and um, has shown at least flashes of, of shooting. And, you know, just his highlight reel looks good. And I know that because I've just watched random highlight reels of him. Um, and uh, I want to – or I, I should say when you watch YouTube clips and then you talk about it later, you have to call it film. Remember? <laughs> call it yep. call it film or tape. Yep. You know, I got my, my tape out, watch some game film. Um, no, I just watched some YouTube highlight reels. Um, and this year we don't even have Mike Schmidt's Draft Express Strengths and Weaknesses videos, which, by the way, Jonathan Gavoni and Dra- Mike Schmidt's joining ESPN, man. The worst. What a, what a horrible thing for uh, for all of us draft watchers and NBA fans. And obviously you you have no incentive to say that given he's joined your broader corporate family. But As a company um, man, I couldn't be happier that they're on the team. Yeah, I, I will but, say their role, yeah, maybe not perfect. Yeah, it's really hard to find, um, just like find their stuff on the ESPN website, yeah. and they don't, they don't do all the stuff they used to do. And the Draft Express, you know, prospect pages were so well done, and you know, you could always find measurements easily and all that stuff. And it's I mean, like, shout no, out to them just, for getting paid. Don't get yeah. me wrong, like that's yeah. good, but it does feel largely like they just paid them to say, okay, you're with us now. Um, yeah. Man, you don't need to do all that other stuff that you did to get to the spot that we wanted to pay you. Um, we just didn't need you out there taking money away from us, right? Yeah, right. you know, yeah, exactly. You know, um, you ever hear like the stories? And I've never actually really looked into this, so this could be just BS, but it seems possible. Really, but you ever heard stories about how like tire companies invent like really uh this is like a like a weird conspiracy theory but just illustrative of, of this uh and I, I could just google this to see if there's any truth to this sort of thing but this idea that like tire companies invent like these really long lasting um tires and then they like patent the technology and then they just pretty much like don't use them because then people wouldn't need to buy more tires <laughs> you've ever heard something that, like that that, um, that is a very similar way to how i feel about how they've used the draft express guys yeah it's like it's like you know okay this is this great thing now we're just gonna like make sure nobody can enjoy it so and they get to do like to, more tv like they i think i'm trying to think if it was schmitz or gavoni was on like they did it in espn nfl or an nba like mock draft special which was yeah. like two hours in it like that's cool but they're with the lottery yeah, yeah i mean they're getting they're getting real exposure which is great for them i mean Correct. i don't i don't begrudge them at all yes. um but yeah as like in the grand scheme of us as consumers of draft draft stuff yeah not great. Yeah. Um, so there's definitely there's definitely a gap in draft coverage, but fortunately we do have people like Cole um, out there doing awesome stuff at the Steppy in and and I don't know Cole's always doing a million things in a million places. So <laughs> um, so anyway, we we are not we we don't have to for us parachuters who come in in May and try to figure out the draft. Um, fortunately, we still have uh, you know a lot of reliable sources we can tap on to to try to get to try to at least fake it till we make it. For sure. And I feel like that's always been my uh, draft watching uh, MO, let's say. Uh, I'm, I'm, And I said that today on Twitter when someone asked like how I feel about this person, that person. I'm like, I'm not a draft expert and I will never, ever pretend to be one. Like I will throw out some greater philosophical ideas, if that makes any sense. Like I will 
say what I think, you know, fits in the modern NBA and, you know, what you should be looking for going forward. Like, I'm happy to say all of those things, but I will never pretend that I'm watching college basketball every night and have seen 10 of the the games for each prospect or anything. Like, I, I would just would never say that. All right. Last draft prospect idea I wanted to touch on was... Costas at Dedekumbo had his, uh, or he participated in the Octagon uh, Pro Day, which is anyone that's going to be represented by Octagon Sports gets to, you know, be a part of a, a Pro Day workout. A number of different agencies had their Pro Day workouts this week. Uh, so that was just another one that was on the list. But uh, there was a couple Instagram pictures with him and Giannis and uh, some videos from Gavoni and trying to think who else is out there um, with some videos of him dunking and stuff like that. And I, I kept seeing uh, in the mentions, and again, this this might just be something that you say because you're a big Giannis fan and you know you're very excited uh, for his brother and you know you want to help keep the Dedekumbos happy. Uh, so you're saying, oh man, the Bucks should draft you, you and Giannis together. That's gonna be awesome. The Bucks should do that. All this stuff, and I just can't help but think, one, Costas is. In no way, shape, or form a first-round pick. He might also not be a second-round pick. And he may be a G League guy or an overseas guy. And I, I keep thinking through the idea of, if he is a G League guy, there will be uh, thousands calling for the Bucks to sign him as a two-way guy. And I gotta say... I can't think of many ideas worse. I just think it's a terrible idea. It's definitely playing with fire. I mean, we've talked about the idea similarly with Thanasis Adetokounmpo, Giannis's older brother, who's now playing in Greece. Um, and, you know, I think especially with the whole idea of how do you keep Giannis happy? How do you get Giannis to sign that Supermax extension and, and not ever want to leave? I think people are have their heart in the right place but that's that's three years out and that's an eternity and Costas is I mean Costas is 20 years old he's he's only three years younger than Giannis yep so you know you think about it um Giannis turned 19 his first year in the NBA turned 20 his second year in the NBA so at this same age where Costas was you know basically a role player for Dayton Giannis had become a starter like a good NBA starter I mean Giannis was you know, light years ahead of where Kosas is, despite the fact that Kosas has obviously had way more resources at his disposal during his development versus Giannis, who was, you know, dirt poor and playing in, you know, these random 1986 VHS tape games um, <laughs> in Greece, right? I mean, yeah. so uh, clearly Kosas is not, you know, close to Giannis. And again, you don't have to be close to Giannis because Giannis is a, an impossible bar. Um, Kosas does have, I think, certainly physical tools that are, are impressive. Um, you know, he's what close to six eleven. Um, you know, you can see the way he runs the floor, his length. And I think he's short of seven, three wingspan. So he's not like, you know, some insane mom and Bamba type type thing. But, um, but you know, he, he does some really interesting big man things as far as blocking shots and, um, you know, again, doing more big man type of things. But if you're looking for, you know, 
like the dynamic kind of ball handling and creation, all that. I mean, that, that's just not where he is right now. And again, you hope that he continues to develop. And again, few people are going to be on Giannis's growth trajectory. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you don't believe that this guy, if you believe that he's kind of a fringe NBA prospect at this point, um, and you sign him, then well, what happens if you have to then waive him in a year or two years or three years? Um, at that point, the possibility that you are creating a and again, I don't think Gian, I mean, I don't think Giannis wants the Bucks to have pity on his brothers and sign them or whatever. I think, you know, he's he's a reasonable guy, but um, there's a lot of downside risk to if and when it doesn't work out. Um, if you're doing this just for you know to to try to curry favor with Giannis, I think that's just a really bad reason. And look, like if if for especially for people who talk about like oh let's buy a second round pick and and draft Costas, which again it's possible he does get drafted in the second round just as an upside play. Um, well, I mean if you really want to if you really need a an Adetic Kumba on your team, I mean just go sign Thanasis as a free agent. Like you don't yep. have to even you don't even have to use a, uh, uh, a you know an NBA contract. And to be honest, especially next year, I, I imagine. Thanasis would probably be, have a much higher likelihood of helping you anyway. So um, again, I, I think you gotta again every guy has to has to earn his own keep, and um, you know it's a cool story for Giannis and his family that his brother hopefully will eventually realize his dream of being an NBA player. But you know again, it's that's that's a that's a ways off, and uh, for a team like the Bucks, you know it's it's a big risk, and and certainly there there's a lot of downside if it doesn't work out. And and maybe I am more risk adverse, risk averse, excuse me, than than most. But all I can see is the downside. Like I, I can just not see the upside. And again, maybe that means I'm I'm not quite uh, the optimist that I should be. That I'm not dreaming of Giannis Costas fast breaks, give and goes dunking on everyone and owning the world like and maybe i should be thinking that way but i just can only see like okay you have to make a tough decision or use this roster spot in a good way uh and that to do so you need to to cut need to cut costas and i just think that can only kind of be kind of a bad thing and get you into some trouble um and again like you said Giannis is a pretty reasonable guy and he, he, I think he would understand if Costas wasn't doing enough that, you know, he's got to go. But when you look at the way that the Bucks use their two ways this year, they use, they tried to get as much possible out of all of their two ways and then just, in a way, discarded them, right? Um, so the, if, if you do do it that same way, it maybe Costas was playing good, is is Giannis and Costas as reasonable as you would want who knows so I don't know I just I just think it's a it's a bad idea even though uh I understand the dreams of getting all the Tedacumbros together and having them be three of your five starters and once Alex gets here having them be four of your five starters and just letting them run the world with their long arms and athleticism, but it probably won't work out, won't work out that way because no one's as good as Giannis. So um, that was the last thing that I wanted to bring up. I think that is going to be it for us for today. I don't think Frank has anything else. I feel confident Frank doesn't have anything else. Uh, <laughs> I'm, still, I'm still awake for the record. So just... <laughs> Thank you for the confirmation on that, Frank. 
For Frank Madden, I'm Eric Dane. This has been Lockdown Bucks. We'll talk to you tomorrow.